Good morning. Let's stand and worship God together. I wandered so aimless, life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. And Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more in darkness, no more in night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow. Praise the Lord, I saw the light Just like a blind man, I wandered along Worries and fears I claimed for my own And like the blind man that God gave back his sight Praise the Lord, I saw the light I saw the light, I saw the light No more in darkness no more in time. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I was a fool to wander and stray. Straight is the gate and narrow the way. Now I have traded the wrong for the right. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light, no more in darkness, no more in night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light, praise the Lord, I saw the light. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be wider, much wider than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonderful power in the blood of the Lamb.
Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much today for your presence. We thank you, Father, for beautiful weather, for the spring, and all the promise that it brings to us. Thank you, Father. You have blessed us all. We pray this morning you would hear our songs of praise. Be with us as we study your word and speak to us, Father. Help us to hear. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A welcome from Kid Street as well. We're all glad to be here and back in Kid Street together. It's good to have you all on the steps with us too. Um, those of you that came to Kid Street, we played kind of a crazy game today. What did we play? Freeze tag. Freeze tag, right? And it kind of seemed funny to be playing freeze tag at church inside, but we were trying to think of uh, the, the Bible story that Pastor Kevin's going to talk about, we've got Elijah, right? And he was running. He was running from Jezebel, right? And her army. So we were thinking that would be a good game to play. It'd be like tag, right? Did you guys get tired? Yes. Did you get out of breath? It's a little hard to breathe in these, but yeah. Elijah got tired too. Sometimes he got discouraged Sometimes he got upset, right? But what we learned was, right, that God is there for us. He gives us strength. He provides for us when we're discouraged, when we're tired, when we're sad. What's the good part about freeze tag? If you get tagged, what happens? What, what can somebody do if you get frozen? What can, what can happen? If someone tags you and someone that's not tagged tags you, you are untagged. You get unfrozen, right? So somebody can help you. So that's like the Bible story, right? God provided bread and water for Elijah so that he could have energy to keep going, right? So we need to remember that even in our lives when we have something that happens that makes us tired, right, or discourages us, upsets us, we know that we can turn to God, that he will be there for us and provide for us, okay? All right, so... I've got one of these for you. It's got Elijah getting some of the bread from God, okay? Get one of these after we pray, all right? Dear Lord, we thank you for your strength. We thank you that you provide for us when we're discouraged, when we're tired, when we feel alone. We know that you are with us. Help us give that encouragement to others, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Dave Scott is someone that you know having a special day today. Happy birthday, Rhonda. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Rhonda Scott, happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Rhonda. Happy birthday. Let's stand and continue to sing and worship God together. There are things as we travel this earth-shifting sand That transcend all the reason of man But the things that matter
The Christ who was slain on the cross Has the power to change lives today For it changed me completely A new life is mine That is why by the cross I will stay. I believe in a new cold Mount Calvary. I believe whatever the cost. And when time has surrendered and earth is no to cleave to the old rugged cross. And when time has surrendered and earth is no more, I'll still cleave to the old rugged
with me please all right everybody stretch those arms way out so you can reach in there and grab those wallets <laughs> father God thank you for all that you've bestowed upon us we ask that you allow these people to get that flexibility in their arms those shoulders those elbows reach in deep be joyful givers in your name we pray amen
Bibles with me this morning, if you would. First Kings chapter 19 in your Old Testament. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, first and second Samuel, and first Kings chapter 19. Beginning a series, conquering our enemies, enemies being anything that sucks the life right out of you. And everybody has them. Sometimes they're people, sometimes they're situations, and sometimes they're just Life in general seems like life kind of dumps on you. So we're going to talk about how we can deal with this thing called discouragement and depression. You hear a lot about it anymore just because of the COVID restrictions and all those kinds of things. And amazingly enough, or maybe not so amazingly, the Bible is incredibly practical. God has a practical mind to him. And one of the things that we have to remember is that so many times people say religion really isn't very practical. It doesn't deal with the everyday issues of life. And they could not be more wrong. And if they say that, they simply don't know what they're talking about. Or I've heard some preacher that made it hard. You know, I don't know about you, but I grew up with really good men. And sometimes they made the Bible very understandable and very practical. And then one preacher of mine that was a really fine man made the Bible seem so distant and hard and far away that I almost thought it wasn't worth the trouble to read. And so you have to be careful who you listen to. And if you get this idea that scriptures aren't relevant and God doesn't want to help you every day, then you have a perspective that simply isn't biblical. So if you would, chapter 19 of 1 Kings, we're going to talk, be talking about dealing with discouragement. And before I go any further, George Lightfoot, where are you? Is he in here today? George is not in, with us, and today is his last Sunday here. I think he came for Sunday school, and he's up with his class. They're having a little shindig, but today is George Lightfoot's last day in this church. He's been here forever, seems like. And he's moving on in a different chapter of his life, so we want to remember him. And on that note, why don't you join me in prayer, if you would, please. Father, we thank you for your presence again. We thank you, Father, for what you've done for us in Jesus, for how you've given us guides for this life and for the life that is to come. We thank you, Father, for the salvation that we have in Jesus for his death and his resurrection from the dead. Thank you, Father. We pray this morning you would be with us. Help us to hear your word. Help us to follow your lead in all things. Lord, we do thank you for good people like George Lightfoot, people who come to church and lead 
sometimes with their words, oftentimes with their actions. Thank you, Father. For those that must move on in different stages of life, be with them. Lord, be with each of us. We struggle against different things. They discourage us. They scare us. Sometimes they intimidate us. Give us courage and boldness, Father. As always, we pray for those that have power over our lives, those in positions of leadership, those in positions of power. Guide and direct them. Give them wisdom. Give them restraint. Give them the willingness to work with others. We pray for those that are first responders, policemen, EMTs, paramedics, soldiers, their families. Give them a special blessing. Keep them safe and use them and comfort their families. And Father, we know that in this world there are many troubles. We still struggle against a pandemic. There are sinister forces that work in this world. Help us. Help us to see the truth. Give us strength when it is needed. Give us grace and forgiveness in all things. Father, be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I mentioned discouragement. We hear about it a lot simply because of the pandemic restrictions. It's been interesting to know that because of the restrictions against school and participation in schools, that suicides among young teens are way up. Did you know that? Kids are really struggling, and we don't know why exactly. Probably it seems like in, when you're a young teen that so many things that are in that era of life seem so important to you, and when you can't go to school, they're taken away, it seems like, and so that may be a struggle. We know not to be judgmental of those kinds, that we know that people struggle sometimes in life. And so we pray for them. But it's significant that we understand that even good people, people of faith, struggle against life. It's not uncommon. When I grew up, I thought that only weak people struggled in life, and I was wrong. Strong people, people who know the Father, people who address Jesus, they struggle against things, and sometimes they fail. So today we're going to learn about some of the things that God may teach us. And what we're going to do is look at the story of a prophet named Elijah. So remember this. When we talk about this story, Elijah was a man of faith. He was a man of God. He had been through it with God. God spoke to him. God spoke through him. And God wanted him to be successful in life. And God was using him. And he was a raging success as a prophet. He had faith, there were no doubts. And his culmination of his faith experience was this idea that he had a battle with the prophets of Baal, and you will remember it. And they taunted him for his faith and said, you pray to a God who can't be heard, etc., etc. So he challenged them to a contest, and the contest would that they would call down their God to burn up something on, the, on an altar. And the prophets of Baal challenged them, and the challenge was out. So they had this contest, and the prophets of Baal did all sorts of things, and they tried to call the, prop, the Baal God to come down and do something, and they did nothing. Elijah taunted them, and then when all was said and done, Elijah called on the God who was God, and he came and consumed those things on the altar. And it was obvious what was happening. There were words said to Ahab, the king, 
And Ahab was an evil guy. He had a woman that was Jezebel, and she was even worse. And she sent word, when she heard of this contest, she sent word to Elijah, you will be dead by this time tomorrow. And she was a woman of her word, and he knew that she would kill him. And so he did what any good red-blooded man would do. He got on a horse and took off. And he ran, and he ran, and he ran, and then he hid in the dark under a tree. And this is where the story picks up. So remember, Elijah was not a coward. He was not a man who had a shaken faith. But in this situation, for some reason, everything was just right. It was fatigue. It was exhaustion. It was fear for his life. It was fear of evil. And he just ran. Rather than praying to God and trusting God to care for him, he just lost any sense of faith that day, and he ran. So what we want to do is try to figure out some things from Elijah's life. And one of the simple things is, on screen here, we must not allow what discourages us to keep us from living. Elijah had had a great life of faith. There was no doubt he was a man of faith. And people loved him. He wasn't necessarily easy to get along with. He was a hard-headed preacher is what he was. Pretty harsh in all his ways. But they loved him and they trusted him. And then he ran. He could see nothing else. He couldn't see the people that prayed for him. He couldn't see the God that had given him victory just 24 hours previous. He could not see the history he had of the God who had been God. All he could see was the fact that there was a woman who hated him, and she had the power to order death on him, and she was going to do that. So this is one of the big lessons. People of faith get discouraged. People of faith Good people can allow certain situations to destroy them, and sometimes the response to that kind of destruction is to simply run away from life and give up. This is what Elijah had done. He gave up on God's power. He gave up on his faith. He didn't lose his salvation or anything like that. He just gave up, and right now in that tunnel vision of experience, he lost his ability to think rationally about the God that he knew was there. So he just ran. Don't ever think that people who are discouraged or depressed cannot be people of faith. Now, that was my mistake years ago. That you, if you believe in Jesus, if you trust God, you will never feel discouragement or depression, and you'll never have all those kinds of things. And if someone were to be depressed, and again, this is what I used to think, if you are depressed, all you need to do is pray to Jesus and trust Him, and God will lift you out of your depression, and you'll go on in life and live a happy ever after. And that was my ridiculous perspective of a very young preacher. What happened was life busted into my life. And I began to experience people in real life situations, good people, people who were people of faith, and I knew that, and I'd known them for years, and they were beginning to struggle with life situations. Sometimes it was the loss of a child. Sometimes it was the loss of health. Sometimes it was a crushing defeat, a loss of a job or something like that. And I saw good people deal with discouragement and even depression. Now, we have a little more perspective on depression than Elijah did. We know that many times depression is now caused by chemical imbalances, and there are medical treatments for that. But many times depression is caused by your response to a particular situation. You allow the situation to blind, blind you from reality. It keeps you from seeing the God that is there, and it makes you so narrow-minded in your focus that you cannot see beyond right in front of you. 
I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that over the years I spent quite a bit of time on phones with people that are committing, trying to commit suicide, and they call me in the middle of the night. And one of the things I've realized over the years talking to each of these people, that they were focusing on a very narrow slice of life. In every situation, there was a situation or a person or a failed relationship that caused these people to consider suicide. They were not ignorant people. They were not people without faith. It's just they were in a miserable situation right now, and with blinders on, that's all they could see. They could never see being happy again. They could not see a way out of this situation. And over and over again, that's been borne out by my experiences, and yours too. Every one of us have been up in the middle of the night or in a situation, and we really could not see anything else. And here we are years later, and we realize there was more going on than we could see. Sometimes our perspective was too narrow. Sometimes we allowed our emotions to keep us from seeing things as they were. And sometimes our emotions just made us do dumb things. Elijah allowed his emotions to lead him to do dumb things. He was the God who had called down God. He was the prophet who called down God and done this dramatic display of fire burning up the meat on the altar. And the very next day, he forgot that and ran. Now, the story is that he ran and he began to hide and, and quivered and prayed for death. So if you would, in chapter 19, follow along with me. I'll read verses 2 through 7 and pick up here. Chapter 19, verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great. So here he is, hiding under a tree, hoping that no one would find him, so you can see how irrational your discouragement can make you. I mean, he went and hid under a tree. Who's not going to find you hiding under a tree? If the queen, as powerful as she was, wanted to find you, she would find you hiding under the tree. And yet, because he was so irrational, he allowed his motions to cloud his judgment. He thought he would be safe just by running a day's distance and hiding under a tree. It's ridiculous, isn't it? But this is what our emotions do to us. When we allow situations to overwhelm us, we do dumb things. And sometimes they're irrational, and we think later, what was I thinking? And probably he had one of those experiences. So here he is. The angel found him. And what did he say? Arise, eat. And then he provided food. Arise, eat. Twice he said this. He finally ate. So what was going on here? This is not a sermon that says, when you feel bad, feed your face. That's not what we're talking about. This is what God was talking about. What happened was, 
Elijah just took off. And one of the things that we often do when we are emotionally distraught, we forget to take care of ourselves. In other words, the rituals that keep us alive, eating, brushing your teeth, regular sleep and those kinds of things, we forget all of those things and we don't even try to take care of ourselves. So strong can discouragement and depression be that we forget the basics of life. And I've seen this in, in the lives of my family and friends and people in churches. And I'll visit sometimes people that are in the midst of depression or discouragement and their house is a wreck and it's obvious they haven't bathed for a few days and they're just a mess. And you've seen this in your own families probably. And it's a typical response to discouragement in difficult circumstances. Now, this isn't necessarily the kind of depression that has to be treated with medication. This is a different thing. When we're talking about things today where you can do practical things, these are things that where you've let a specific situation overwhelm you. And God wants to reach out to you. So amazingly, or maybe not so surprisingly, the first thing that God says through the angel to Elijah in the midst of his own discouragement was, get up and eat. In other words, get into the groove of life. You've moped enough, you felt sorry for yourself, and it's a typical response. He's not condemning it at all. He doesn't even fact check him. He just says simply, you need to get up and start taking care of the normal da daily responsibilities of life. So one of the things that we have to learn is, we have to continue to live our lives and just do what we can because if we're not careful, the discouragements of this life can destroy us. Discouragements happen. Discouragements blind you from reality. Discouragements make the daily stuffs of life seem irrelevant and unimportant. And so to a man that was just there, God said, get up and eat. Eat was, take care of yourself. You've got to do the things that are going to keep you alive. You still have to eat. You still have to do the things that you need and all those kinds of things. My daughter, and I don't think she'd be happy with this, but she wouldn't mind telling this story. When she was in college, she was a crazy student. And what that meant was she was a four-pointer. Both of them were actually. And one of them was a four-pointer. And she was so stressed about having a four-point that she literally destroyed herself studying. And she would forget to sleep. And she would forget to eat. She was just one of those crazy students. It never occurred to me to be that way. But she would just make these great grades and all these kinds of things. And one day... They found her on the floor, unconscious. An ambulance came, they couldn't rouse her. Took her to the emergency room. She was dried out. Hadn't had food or fluids for two or three days. What was she doing? Well, I was studying, and I forgot. After some fluids, spent the night, took a lot of my money to get her out of the hospital, and we had a conversation about that. She was fine. What did she learn? When you're stressed out, you still have to eat and drink. She was stressed out. She let things overwhelm her, and she forgot to take care of her. You have to do that, folks. Isn't it interesting that God knew that? That God knew that when we get discouraged, he said, get up and eat. To Elijah, a good guy who let a particular situation overwhelm him, he said, get up. Take care of yourself. You've got to eat. You've got to drink. You've got to get back into the groove of life. You can't just sit. I understand getting away for a bit. Elijah had no intention of getting away for a bit. He was done. God, through the angel, said, get up and work.
get up. The journey is too far. In other words, God had things to do. God had things to do through him. Sometimes we have to make ourselves do what it takes to take care of ourselves. People can't make you eat. People can't make you drink. You have to do that yourself. People can't make you keep up the routines of life. You have to do that yourself. When you feel like life isn't worth living, when you feel discouraged, when things are horrible, at some point, God says, get up and eat. Take care of yourself. So there's that truly spiritual thing. God, through his angels, tells the man of God who'd lost perspective, get up and take care of yourself. So that's one of the things that we can do. Another thing on screen, we must resist the temptation to withdraw from our relationships and responsibilities. It's not just staying home, it's pulling away from everyone that can help you. So follow along with me if you would. Still in 1 Kings 19, verses 19 through, 9 through 16. So 19, beginning at verse 9. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. And this is after he ate and drank and he ran. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, torn down thy altars, and killed thy prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So he said, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And the great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. And it came about when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle. And he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Then he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, torn down thine altars, and killed thy prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazael, king over Aram, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel, and Elijah the son of Shaphat of Abel-Maholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. So, Elijah ate and drank, and then he took off again. Still discouraged, still depressed. God had provided for him, had made him get up and take care of himself, and it didn't click. So he ran off and hid in a cave. Now the text says, and he lodged in the cave. That meant he set up house. He fully intended to live out his days in that cave, hiding from Jezebel, still afraid of the woman back there who had said she was going to kill him, still understanding that God wasn't going to help him, still thinking that he was on his own and he was going to die. And God said, Elijah, what are you doing? Have you ever had anyone say, what are you thinking? Sometimes do you say that to yourself? What are you thinking? I do that to myself all the time. Kev, what's going on? And I have to think through because sometimes I get irrational. If something is discouraging or aggravating or makes me mad or depresses me, I have to think it through. And when I think it through, when I calm myself down and, and think through the issues, 
normally I gain a better perspective. It doesn't necessarily change the situation. Interestingly enough, God did not change the situation here. You don't see that, do you? You don't see God saying, I'm going to take care of Jezebel, don't worry about it. Didn't say that. He didn't say, you don't have a reason to be discouraged. He had plenty of reason to be discouraged. Instead, what did God call him to do in this place? Get up and get moving. Did you see what he said in verses 15 and 16? Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazael king over Aram. What does a prophet do in the Old Testament? He preaches. He anoints prophets and kings. That's their job. So what is he telling him? Elijah, I know it's been hard, but I fed you. Get up and go on with your business. In other words, quit, quit just whining about things. Quit focusing on your difficulties and do what you have to do. Life goes on, in other words. It's a very simple approach. Very practical, isn't it? Quit sitting here. You're not going to spend your days in this cave. There were the visions, the wind, and the fire, and the earthquake, and then the gentle breeze, and then the voice of God again, Elijah, what are you doing? God wasn't angry. He was speaking to a man who was discouraged, struggling with depression. Think, Elijah. And then he told him to go back and do what he'd been called to do. And Elijah's response was, but Jesus, it's only me. Did you see that? Twice he said that. And, you know, I'm kind of mocking him here. But he was saying, essentially, God, it's just me, you and me against the world. Sometimes it feels like you and me against the world. You've heard the song, right? This is what Elijah was doing. He could only see that he was faithful. God said, go back and do your work as prophet, which meant, Elijah, there are people that need you. There are people that trust you to do God's work. There are people that trust you to anoint kings. There are people that trust you and respect your word when you appoint another prophet. So God was letting him in on a little bit of reality here. Elijah, the fact that they too are afraid of Jezebel doesn't mean they aren't with you. When we are discouraged and let things get to us, we tend to think that we're all alone, that no one cares that no one will help. Almost always nothing could be further from the truth. There are people that love you, and what Elijah had to learn was what you have to do, instead of isolating yourself from those people that love you, you have to force yourself to get up, brush your teeth, get cleaned up, and go back to those people that love you and get back into life. No fact check here necessarily. Jezebel was still dangerous. He was still afraid. But God said, go on back and do what has to be done. So on screen are some ideas of what we can learn from this. First of all, God understands that we suffer loss, grief, and discouragement. He cares and stands with us. God understands. One of the advantages, one of the great truths that comes out of Jesus becoming human, just like us, that he understands the weaknesses of the flesh. Jesus has been there. Jesus fought with discouragement. He was confronted with the reality of a world where people reject you. People hated him. Some days they would love him. The next days they wanted to kill him. The depression and the roller coaster went with that. Jesus experienced that all. So when God approaches us, 
He's not con- coming to us with a perspective of judgment and condemnation. He knows. He's been there, guys. He has felt what you feel. He has been through some form of what you're going through. He's felt alone. He's felt rejected. He's felt attacked. He's felt hopeless through his son Jesus. So what we have to do is understand that God cares for us. Pray to God because the scriptures teach us that he cares for us. So never think you're alone. You're not. God is always there. The next screen, God patiently encourages us to maintain our relationships with others and continue on in the course of our lives. So many of us are like a wounded dog. When we're hurt, we go hide. A month ago, I had a wounded skunk in my barn, and he was dying, and I couldn't fix him. So what did he do? He came and hid in my barn. I don't know why he blessed me with his stinky presence, but he was there. And what he did, he got away from everybody and everything. He burrowed under an old car part, and I couldn't get to him, and I wasn't going to dig through and get surprised with him or anything like that. So he finally just went away and died. That's what we do sometimes. We just go away, we burrow ourselves under pillows at home, and we don't go out. Worst thing you can do, folks. I understand doing it for a day or two, but ultimately you've got to get up. You've got to hear God's word, get up, take care of yourself, eat something, brush your teeth, comb your hair, get dressed, and then go out among those people that you know love you. It doesn't matter how you feel. Your emotions do not change reality. The fact that someone over here hurt you doesn't mean that these people don't still love you. We have to do that. One of the modes of therapy that I've studied over the years is called reality therapy. Reality therapy is nothing more than confronting people with the truth. When people feel like they're all alone, what you do is say, listen, did your mama quit loving you because you got in trouble with the law? Well, no, mama still loves me. Does your spouse still love you even though you've done something stupid? Well, no, she still loves me. And you go through these questions and you confront them with reality. Almost always, people's perspective on reality is inaccurate. So what God teaches us to do is forget how you feel about other people dismissing you. Find those people that you know still love you and trust them. And love them and let them love on you. And sometimes you have to acknowledge you're weak, that you're struggling, and you just need to be around people. Now, you don't have to tell them all the gory details. You can if you like. But sometimes the best thing you can do is just get out among the living and go on with it. Elijah was told, go back to work. Get together with those people that trust you and do what you've been called to do. Remember, God didn't say... Suck it up, Elijah. Be happy, not sad. None of that stuff. Instead, just get up, take care of yourself, and go back to work. Do what God wants you to do. On the last screen, God is persistent in calling us to service because he knows that a life of faithful obedience to him can help us to overcome our loss. He told Elijah, get back to work. Nothing special. Elijah, this is your job. Get back to work, work with people, anoint kings, appoint prophets, do what you've been called to do. In other words, get on with life and trust that God is going to work. God has this way of knowing that sometimes 
when the stuffs of this life don't make sense and life around us is failing, still there is a God who calls us to service. And folks, sometimes that may be all you have. Sometimes you're not going to be able to find or it's not going to be able to easy to see the good things in life. But there is still a God who loves you. He's with you. And guess what he wants you to do? He wants you to get up and grit your teeth and go on in life and be obedient. Go love someone that needs to be loved. Go serve someone that needs to be served. One of the best things you can do when you're not feeling very good about things is to get out and about and start serving other people. A life of service and obedience to God is an answer to the discouragements of this life. doesn't fix the situation, folks, but it gives you a perspective. God can help you when you're down. He loves you. He wants to be with you. And this is exactly what happened to Elijah. He went on to have a great career in life. He did the things that God told him to do. He was obedient even though he didn't feel like being obedient. He was obedient even though Jezebel was still out there. And he lived his life and he lived to tell the story. So these are God's instructions to us. When you deal with this thing of discouragement in life, you can choose to let it destroy you. You can sit at home and mope. You can make things worse by not taking care of your health. You can make things worse by not getting yourself around people that you know love you. Or you can choose to be obedient to God and get in with those people that you know love you. And spend time with people that love you. And remind yourselves of what things were true. I was talking to one of the daycare mamas out here uh, several months ago. And she was going through a period of real depression. She was one of those, it was one of those awkward situations where I asked her how she was. And she burst into tears. This happens quite often in that setting, strangely enough. And I asked her what was going on. And she just, her life was in the dumpster, she said. And she didn't know what. And she didn't think anybody loved her. Even though she had jumped off, just dumped off her two-year-old two little girl that loved her, even though I knew her husband and I knew he loved her, and I knew her mama and I knew she loved her, and I knew this girl had really a pretty good life, she couldn't see it. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. So we talked through these things, and I had this questionnaire thing in my head, and it's one of the first things I always do with people. Did your husband tell you he doesn't love you anymore? Well, no. What did he say? Well, he said he loves me and wants to help me. I said, okay, how about your mama? What did she say? Did you tell her all this? Yes. Does she still love you? Yes, she said she did and she wants to help. I said, okay, how about your two-year-old girl? Does she still love you? Well, she still calls me mama and she hugs me and kisses me and says she wants me to be happy. I said, have you lost your job? She said, well, no, I haven't lost my job. I said, have you lost your health? She said, no, I haven't lost my health. I said, have you lost your house? She goes, no, everything's the same. I said, okay, and this is where they kind of trap, people trap themselves, and, and that's the point. They are confronted with the truth of a situation. What I was doing in that instance was what God was doing with Elijah, confronting them with reality, helping them to see past the discouragement and depression of right now. I've had this discussion with her several times since then that one of the successes of life is learning to look past your emotion into things that you know are true. Trust what you know rather than what you feel. Elijah had to learn that. He felt like he was discouraged and depressed. He felt like his life was over. But God confronted him, helped him to feel better, put him with people that still loved him and trusted him, 
and the God who is God said, I still trust you to do my work. I need for you to do this. And that's what God was doing by giving him a task, by trusting him and enabling him to get up and do what he needed to do. And this is God's response to us when we deal with discouragement. Now remember, I'm not talking about medical depression where you've got some chemical imbalances and things like that. That's a different thing entirely. And I think sometimes that kind of treatment is appropriate even for Christians. And sometimes those medications can be life-saving. But for most of us, the depression and discouragement we feel is brought on by a particular situation. And in those situations, I don't think you need a therapist. What you need to do is learn to think clearly and allow God to speak to you and surround yourself with people who love you. And history teaches us that that can change your life. Nate's going to come and lead us in a hymn of imitation and, uh, and commitment this morning. The goal of this message was to show you that you do not have to allow the discouragements of this life to get you down. They do not have to destroy your life. And there is a way that your faith can help you. For the next two or three weeks, we're going to talk about various situations that can get you down. And God's ways are ways of enabling you to recover and survive and thrive and go on with your life. Would you stand with me as Nate comes and leads us? Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Bow with me, please. Father, thank you for the beautiful message we received today. Show us how to apply what we have learned in this service to our daily lives. Help us make wise choices throughout the week for the glory of your name. May we be able to sift through all that we have learned today so that we can walk in your ways. Father, give us wisdom that leads to love and faith. In Jesus' name we believe and pray. Amen. Amen.